You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad, and on Friday last, <coughs> there was a draw for a cottage in County Mayo. And um, the couple who decided to put the cottage up for Raffle, Joan and Patrick, are, um, have a Canadian connection. They had returned from Mexico to British Columbia and found that at the time of year that it was, which was March, when we were all scurrying back from if we were down south to get back up into Canada as fast as we could, um, they found that they contracted um, COVID, and uh, both of them, and it led to all sorts of complications. And Joan is here with me, and Joan is going to give me a little bit of background on that and tell us what inspired herself and Patrick to put the cottage up for raffle. And we're going to also hear how successful that has been. Joan, thanks a million for taking the time to come along, and delighted that you and Patrick are in good health and that you pulled through because I understand it was quite serious. Well, yes, uh, we are very happy that um, we are still alive. Um, Patrick has pulled through, um, but he has uh, had some complications and he is not very well at the moment. He's actually having chest in hospital right now. He was very ill, but not quite ill enough to end up in hospital. He was lucky to survive the illness. So, Joan, you uh, coming back from Mexico, you, had you been down there just on a short vacation, or are you like me, a snowbird? Uh, I wouldn't say we're snowbirds, <laughs> but we had gone down to Baca, California, to uh, do some uh, tours on whales and to see where the whales have their calving do their calving and have their calves and we did several uh, tours uh, whale watching and we were extremely lucky to see some amazing sights and uh, see even the blue whale, humpback whales, grey whales etc and it was absolutely amazing. We were coming back from that and we had been out on a friend's boat and we came ashore and discovered all about the COVID crisis. And so we decided um, what's the best thing to do. We had driven all the way from um, north of Vancouver in BC, all the way down to Los Cabos in Baca, south of California in Mexico. And then we were on the way back by car. And um, in the end, we decided that we would try and get back to Canada as quickly as we could and we um, travelled through the states as quickly as we could because we knew there were a lot of cases in the states especially in uh, Washington state uh, near Seattle and we arrived at the Canadian border and they asked us where we were going and had we any symptoms and we said we um, we're going to our house in on Cortez Island, and um, that we were well, but um, my husband thought he might be getting a cold. So they said, well, you can go straight back to your house, but you must stay in quarantine and self-isolation for a minimum of 14 days. And if you get 
any symptoms in the meantime to phone the helpline and if needed call the emergency helpline. And John, are we talking February or are we talking March at this stage? We're talking beginning of March. Right. We arrived back in Canada on the 19th of March. My, I arrived back on the 18th. I drove from Florida. I, I, like you, I will never forget the 17th of March 2020 because I spent 17 hours driving. Um, yeah. Anxious to get back as quickly as I could also. Um, yeah. And at that time, of course, um, the, the awareness particularly in parts of the U.S. as regards the risk factors, was not as apparent as it was elsewhere. And, um, sorry, as I understand it, you and uh, Patrick are both in the medical profession? Uh, yes, I was. Um, worked in the medical profession. We're both retired now. I was an anaesthetist and Patrick um worked as a psychologist. Right, so you as uh, would have greater sensitivity to the news and the impact of things, I guess, rather than others, and the, when something like this would happen, I guess you were more um, in tune with the need to get back into the Canadian medical system as quickly as possible as well. That's true, and I also um, had a great understanding of what um, was facing the people who were working in the health systems and what risks they were taking for themselves and for their families and for some of them having to leave their families for weeks at a time in order not to bring the infection back to their homes. So then at what stage, John, did the symptoms start to manifest themselves that you felt it was necessary to go and get tested? Well, we were never able to get tested. Okay. Um, Patrick um, got symptoms a couple of days after we arrived back in Canada, and we had been given the number of the Healthline call, and they um, talked him through uh, with the registered nurse all the questions to decide um, if they could, whether he had the disease or not. And on the basis of his answers, uh, they said, yes, it sounds very like you have you have the COVID. Uh, however, they were not at that time doing any testing for people unless you uh, ended up in hospital. Right. So it's not possible. And we were on an island, a small island, where we needed two ferries in order to get to the nearest hospital. So I take it then that as soon as after that phone call, you made your way onto. Uh, was it into Vancouver or into Victoria? Oh, no, no. We had been told we had to stay put. We had to stay in our home and not venture outside the gate. And we had to do that for a minimum of 14 days. And, and even, time, even after the phone call when the symptoms were, were manifesting themselves? Yes, they said, um, well, watch uh, and monitor very carefully, keep records, and if um, either of us, especially Patrick, were to get any worse, to call the local doctor, and if he got uh, very bad, which I would um, know um, from my experience as an anaesthetist, um, that I could call the emergency number, um, 
112 number to call um, a helicopter to come and collect him and bring him to hospital. And it got to that point, did it? That you needed to do that? No, uh, it didn't actually quite get to that point. He was very ill for several days and he was bending much of the time, sitting up, not able to sleep, um, with extremely sore throat and with continual bouts of continuous coughing, hard, hard coughing, sometimes up to 35 times without being able to get a proper breath. And it was extremely scary. And while he was going through that, obviously the virus was floating around, so you then also contracted? I, yes. I was convinced that he had the disease and there was nothing else that it could be. Uh, knowing all the symptoms that you were uh, said to get, to, to, to have. And I was extremely lucky in that I just got a sore throat for two nights. And I was uh, tired, but I didn't realize until afterwards that the fatigue was part of it. And I had no fever and no cough. He had all the other things, including a loss of taste and smell, right. which he still has. He still hasn't really recovered properly. He still has some lung damage, and his heart is still um, showing irregular beats at times. Uh, he's, he's tired all the time. And we're now talking. Right now. And I think it's important that we state here that that is five months later, so that um, we yeah. need to be cognizant that this thing isn't gone away and that the long term damage and the impact on people who have managed or who have been uh, vic have contracted it, that the long term damage is quite serious and there it behooves all of us to continue to be responsible and to take extreme care on an ongoing basis. So then um, what it, it became necessary for hospitalisation? Uh, no, we managed to avoid um, having him t take to hospital. There was one particular night when he was extremely ill and we were saying, oh, I think he needs to go to hospital, but they said, we don't have any helicopter ready to take you that's prepared to take someone with this disease to hospital. And we, and besides, it's getting dark, so we will um, do it tomorrow. And in the meantime, I was giving him various painkillers, such as paracetamol, ibuprofen, and... Um, um, in the end, we decided that we maybe a hot whiskey would help. Um, some of the Irish ones are really good. And after um, two hot whiskeys, he felt a lot better, more relaxed. And after the third one, uh, he doesn't normally drink a lot of alcohol and never would have had that much before. Mm -hmm. But it allowed him to fall asleep from 11 p.m. until 6 in the morning, which was absolutely miraculous and which um, really broke the back of it. So during all this period then you were a primary caregiver and that must have been exhausting physically but then it must have been exhausting emotionally also. 
um, yes. to watch him there yeah. and in so many ways feel helpless. And yes, and it was certainly very, very scary, very frightening, and wondering if you're making the right decision. Now, I was used to monitoring people in ICU. I was used to making taping records, and I monitored him as best I could. And um, we both felt very lucky that he survived and did not have to go to hospital. Now, uh, we didn't cover it off at the beginning, but well, we did cover off that it's a cottage in County Mayo. Uh, it's obvious from your accent, as is mine, that you are Irish, and I take it Patrick is Irish. Um, you must. When did you? When when did you emigrate? And we went to Canada just two years ago, practically two years ago. Yes. Right. So uh, yes. rel relatively recently. Yes. Yeah. And what brought you? Now to we Canada? had. Uh, yeah, sorry. sorry, we what? had visited there before on holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what brought you to Canada? Well, what brought us to Canada? Mm -hmm. We thought that would be a really nice place to live, and to be uh, there in the winter time, we found it much more comfortable than being there, being in Ireland in the summer, which, as you probably know, is very damp and cold. At in the winter mm -hmm. and um, the, the temperature in British Columbia is is maybe not much warmer or it's about the same but it's certainly much more pleasant it's drier and easier to tolerate right. and we had already visited the place we were living in and we had made friends there and, uh, over couple of years before. And had you went you have you any family in Canada or did you have any family in British Columbia? Yes, um my aunt uh, has emigrated to Nanaimo many years ago. I have two cousins who are uh, one is in Canada uh, right now. Yeah. Right, right. As um you know that's a very big move like it's usually the other way you get um emigrants who would say they want to retire back to Ireland. Um, but it was a brave move <laughs> to say we were going to retire from Ireland to Canada. Um, so then, um, what inspired you to put the cottage up on, and to raise funds uh, with the cottage and to put it up for a uh, raffle? Well, and first of all, after um, Patrick was recovering, we read in the Irish news, which we follow, and that the HSE, the Health uh, Service System in Ireland, were looking for uh, doctors, nurses, and other um, medical people to return to Ireland to help them cope with the COVID-19 in Ireland. And they were um, had um, put out a, a system where you could apply to come back to Ireland to help out during the crisis. And I, we thought about it for a while, I thought about it, and I thought I would apply to come back to Ireland but, uh, to help out, but um, it's actually uh, 10 years since I retired and I considered it for a while and I thought maybe this isn't a good option, I'm no longer on the medical council register, I would have had to retrain and um, maybe go through a lot of um, 
hoops uh, before I could actually start working and helping out. And in the end, I withdrew my application. And I thought, uh, what else could we do to help out? And we were reading a lot about what was going on in Ireland. And uh, having worked in a hospital all my working life, I knew that um, the, the doctors and the nurses are the frontline workers. They are do a tremendous work, but there are also the other people who keep the system going who are not always recognised for what they do and for the risks they take. So between us, we decided that we had this cottage in County Mayo and we decided that we'd put it up for raffle and see what we could get for our donations and donate the proceedings to uh, the people who keep the country, kept, kept the health service going uh, during the crisis. People who have jobs like um, uh, care assistants, orderlies, uh, caterers, the people who are not normally recognised as being part of the system and who rarely get thanks for the work they do. So um, you went about, uh, and with the help of um, Daniel, creating uh, an online raffle, and um, it has been very successful. Uh, roughly, what kind of revenue has it been able to generate for you? Well, as of today, Pat Patrick told me that um, it's very close to €800,000. Fantastic. And um, each ticket costs €10. Euro. So that's 80,000 tickets have been bought. The response has been absolutely tremendous. We've had some lovely emails from people, and some of them are healthcare workers thanking us for thinking of the people who do this work, who put themselves at risk every time they go into work. I know, John, that you got um, some coverage on the Irish media also over the last number of weeks, and that's, again, the number of tickets sold is an indication of the um, tremendous response that has been there. Um, you're obviously very pleased that you have been able to do this, and particularly um, in current times where so many people are, have, and the frontline workers have put themselves at risk. Um, so, have you a specific or plan as regards how you want to distribute, um, or um, how you want to um, take care of the? healthcare professionals? Well, we had uh, had the idea that we that is, is as much a gesture as anything else, a thank you gesture, and we had no idea that we were going to um, ha have so much money donated. And we had um, thought that we would just be able to give uh, the people who do those jobs um, sum of money but this is proving a bit difficult so now we are thinking of maybe setting up a bursary uh, to help uh, some of the people who who have needs after this uh, whole thing is over such as um, providing a bursary for helping them with their children's education or something like that Fantastic and um 
from a living perspective, do you intend staying in Ireland or do you plan on coming back to Canada? Well, we are planning on going back to Canada, yes, but as yet we haven't decided when we can actually do that. Um, Patrick is still having investigations, is still um, being treated for the lung damage that he has sustained from the illness and um, that's where we are at the moment. We haven't yet decided when we can go back to Canada. And I know there's a lot of controversy, particularly in Ireland at the moment, about how lockdown has been uh, reimposed in Kildare and while well, Leach and Offaly had it eased up. Um, you would stress, I am sure, how important it is uh, that whether it be in Ireland, whether it be in Canada or wherever, that people try their best not to flaunt or break the guidance that comes from the medical personnel. Absolutely. It's so important to avoid spreading the disease. It is such a scary thing and, and many people have died from it and died very uh, in a bad way. It is, it is not a disease that anyone should risk getting. And unfortunately, I suppose there is a perception out there that younger people are and it's sometimes among the younger people that they seem to think that they're immune um, and don't necessarily understand the risk that they may be putting themselves in and also then putting people that they come in contact with the danger they're putting those people in also Yes and that all includes their families their older relatives and, and people like that that they may not think of at the time well, um, Joan, uh, all I can do is wish that Patrick speedily recovers and, and um, things work themselves out and it's a tough time for everybody and that hopefully we're able to share uh, the winner's name uh, with the listener um, and it has been an honour and a pleasure to, um, uh, to be able to talk with you and I really am appreciative that you took the time. Well, I thank you for interviewing me and it's been a pleasure talking to you often. So we have a big congratulations to Michelle Hallahan, who is the winner of the cottage in County Mayo. And Michelle, I'm honoured to be able to say congratulations and you must be delighted. I'm absolutely thrilled, Austin, and thank you very much. It's, it's an honour for me to, to have won it, really. Um, when I bought the tickets, I, I bought a few, about three or four tickets, and um, I honestly just felt I was giving the money to towards the donation for the frontline workers, and I really thought nothing more of it. So, because I've, I've never won anything, so <laughs> it was a real thrill and a surprise and a delight to, to find out that I'd won it. Earlier on in the show, we were chatting with um, one of the um, the wife of the lady, uh, the couple, and she indicated that. The raffle raised over 800,000 for frontline healthcare workers, so it has been a tremendous success. It has. In, in fact, it was reported in the Irish Times today as I think over 900,000, so almost a million, I think. Fantastic. It's incredible. It's far exceeded what they were hoping for. Well, I say, you must be delighted. We're all envious. 
on this side of the Atlantic all around the world because it attracted global attention and people we had tickets and I know others had tickets and congratulations it has been wonderful to know that it has all come to a wonderful end and you're the lucky one I'm I'm so very honoured I really feel so grateful for it and um, just delighted that uh, it all worked out great for everybody so, so um, yeah, thanks so much. So, Michelle, you mentioned that you know your motivation was anything you could do to help the frontline healthcare workers. Obviously, in Ireland, yeah. you know, we as is the case here in Canada, um, people have been affected. Did you know anyone, or has anyone been affected that you were aware of? No, luckily, I've known. Um, there's there's one colleague at work that got it uh, relatively early on, and uh, he recovers, and he was he's a triathlete um, in his personal life, so I think he he did okay. But it was very rough. He had a very rough deal with it. Um, but th- thankfully, I personally have not been impacted by it um, so far. Indeed. Well, again, we're going to yeah. just say thanks a million, Michelle. Congratulations and enjoy County Rail. I certainly will. Thanks so much, Austin.